coming up this week off screen. Wreck It Ralph breaks the tinterweb. Anna faces the apocalypse. Rachel Vice gets disobedient. Mowgli becomes a legend of the jungle. We meet three identical strangers. And prepare to survive Christmas with the relatives. All those to come and more off screen. This is This is Off Screen. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. Ooh, welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Collett. I'm Kelly Needham. So, Ms. Needham, welcome back. We both had a week off. We did. Did you do anything fun? I went to Centre Parks. I know you did, because everyone I know was apparently in the same Centre Parks at the same time in the same week. Well, I know none of them, like, so... Like, actually, Andy, Andy Sharp was there, same oh, time. Oh, well, yeah, so. we didn't see um, each other. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I worked. I didn't, I didn't go anywhere. I just, oh, I went to Oh, small violin. Work. I know. <laughs> okay, so before we get to the film news, film reviews, box office top five, and all of our usual refinements, mm-hmm. uh, give me some film news to start us off. What have you got for me? Well, something a bit sad. Who's died now? I don't know his name. Some guy. Is it Nicholas Rogue? That might be Nicholas it. Rogue. I, I, I have, I've done a few radio eulogies. How many Nicholas people Rogue? are screaming right now when I'm like, some guy? Well, you know what? He, he made quite a few iconic movies. Uh, Tell they me are which. a bit before your time, to be honest. I'm though. very young. I mean, I mean, I know your dad. He, he likes a good old movie, doesn't he? Does he not rub off on the kids kind of thing? Does he not make no. you watch certain things when you're growing up? Or? Zulu. That's all I remember. <laughs> I can absolutely imagine your dad watching yeah. Zulu. So, Nicholas Rogue, a British filmmaker who brought us such iconic films as Performance. Did you ever see that? It was, no. James Fox was a gangster who went into hiding, and when he was on the lam, he hid in the house of a rock star played by Mick Jagger. No. It was great fun. It was yeah, all over the place wonderful. and surreal as hell, but it was great. Uh, Walkabout with Jenny Agata, also nope. one of his. Don't Look Now with Donald Is that Sloan. the one with the girl in the red coat? Yes. I've seen the play of that. You've seen the play of it? I've seen the play. Who's seen the play but never the movie? I didn't even know it was a movie. Oh, okay then. So, <laughs> And in my defence, I only saw it because I got free tickets because my nan worked there at the time. Okay, okay, fair enough. I, I completely <laughs> understand that. He also, of course, directed The Man Who Fell to Earth with uh, Sir David of the Bowies. Sure. No, I've never seen that. Oh, wow, we got, we got work to do, darling. I know, I'm sorry. But, uh, yeah, he's not really made so... I mean, aside from The Witches, which was 1990, you know, the Roald Dahl adaptation. Oh, I love yeah. that. I've seen that. Um, that, I think, is the most recent film of his that you would know, mm, I think. Fair enough. I mean, other than that, he has made films, but they're not really uh, ones that you would particularly have encountered. They're kind of more loved in the art house scene and the independent British scene. Um, I mean, not my kind of gig. He did direct an episode of the Young Indiana Jones Adventures. But, oh, dear. Uh, yeah. Let's not talk about but, that. Uh, I don't think anyone remembers that anymore now either. Apparently, you and, do. Uh, I do, but I'm 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 king nerd, so it's fine. Uh, so uh, before we get to uh, the 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 usual fun, we've got to plug the podcast edition. Mm-hmm. So uh, Apple Podcasts, oh yeah, uh, Acast, heard of that? Spotify, uh, mm. TuneIn, uh, no, Stitcher. We are on all these things, all these platforms. Extra reviews, extra news. Extra moments of Cage. I say Woo-hoo. extra. The only moment of Cage is on the podcast editions. That's All very true. So if you've never heard it, you got to download the podcast. Got your good one this week too. It's from one of my favourite Nick Cage movies. <gasps> Don't spoil it. 
Okay, good point. No good spoilers, point. no that spoilers. That is fair. Okay, so check that out. Uh, in the meanwhile, our first review of the week, what are we going to talk about? Can we talk about Wreck-It Ralph? Okay, so Ralph breaks the internet. You, you've obviously seen the marketing campaign for this. I have. You I have. have. So you've obviously already seen our clip, which seems to be the most publicised aspect of the movie. The Disney princess. That's exactly what we're going to use. How did I And then we're going to use that because it's the best thing about the film. Oh, okay. Yeah, so sorry to get oh, ahead well. of myself. So um, it's six years old from Wreck-It Ralph. How many? I know, I was shocked too. They tell you in the movie, it's been six years. Sixty? Six, six, six years, right? Oh, si- six I thought years. you said sixty. That's no. why I was like, what? Because in reality, it's been six years. Is it? Yes, Wreck-It Ralph was 2012. No way! Yeah, flew by, didn't it? Flipping egg. It's because, you know what it is? You've, what? Been, you've done so many of these with me and reviewed so many movies in that time. The, obviously, mm. you'll it have the same. Merges. Yeah, you have the same problem I do, which is time ceases to exist within film. So maybe we're in the. Mm. I don't know. Do you remember? Do you remember when three years between Star Wars Doctor movies used to Who feel realm. like an eternity? Yes. Yeah, it doesn't now, does it? No, true. No, three years between Avengers movies seems to go by like that. Mm. But, I was trying to think. What's that thing? You know, in the Good Place, when they explain how time works in the Good Place and the Bad Place. I know. I know. It's, it's like some guy's name. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. Oh, it's really annoying me. I will look it up because I love the Good Place. Anyway, so anyway, six years sorry. from Wreck It, Ralph. Yes. Uh, Ralph and Vanellope, best of friends, and they fall into this. Routine. Wait, hang on. How did we leave it? We left it with uh, he fixed Sugar Rush, and she was the princess. Uh, Ah, yeah, because she was, was all glitchy. And, yeah, 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 and yeah. she learned to yeah. accept her imperfections Aww, and use it as, sweet. and recognise and embrace it as a part of herself. And Ralph, having struggled with his own limitations and his station in life, found inner peace, found his cool with who and what he was, and went back to his game a happier, more fulfilled man. How wonderful. Yeah. Did they need a sequel? No, but you're getting one anyway. So dot, 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 money. Yeah, six years on, Ralph's still happy. Uh, Vanellope's less happy. The idea is they've settled into this routine of they do their day jobs in the arcade games, mm-hmm. and then they get together every night and they hang out and they go and play in all the other arcade games and they go to the bar, which is like that that tapper game. Oh where yeah, you, you yeah. Serve the root beers, and he loves it, and it, it's the center of his world. Less so for her, she's kind of bored of the repetition. So, for instance, her racing game only has three tracks. And ah. she says, do you know what? If, if my game just had one more track, just something new, maybe I'd feel more fulfilled. So Ralph decides, you know what? I'll make you a new track. And inadvertently breaks the Sugar Rush arcade cabinet. He makes the player snap the steering wheel off the driving game. Oh, whoops. So because it would cost $200 to buy this replacement part on eBay, and the game itself doesn't make that money in a month, as we're told, the guy who owns the arcade, who, by the way, I didn't realise is the granddad from Modern Family. It's Ed, no way. It's Ed O'Neill. Love him. What's his name? Uh, not Dunphy. Uh, oh, uh, Mitchell. Jay. Jay Pritchett. Thank you. Ed O'Neill, Jay Pritchett. Jay Pritchett is I'm Mr. I'm sure that was a terrible impression. Yeah. <laughs> Jay. Jay. <laughs> you can, I don't think you can do it properly unless you puff your chest out really hard. I don't need to do that. I know you don't. but <laughs> <laughs> For me, it's a pair of socks and some back pain, you know? Anyway. Um, anyway. So, it's so, another point. He's, um, he's tight and he he's won't tight. buy this he can't, he can't. So what he's doing is he, he arranges for the arcade machine to be picked up and shipped off the parts. All the characters within the game have to abandon ship before the plug is pulled. Uh-huh. So they are now homeless. They're going to become 
outcast. These characters are going to have to live in other people's games. And, of course, right. that's, that's no way to live. And also, look what happened to the bad guy from the last movie when he tried that. So, ah. it turns out, though, Mr. Litwas has spent money on a little something for himself, though. He's bought himself a Wi-Fi router. Ooh. And he's plugged it into the same socket as the uh, as all the arcade games. So, Ralph and Vanellope come up with a new plan. They are going to go to the internet. And there, they will find this mystical shop called E-Boy. And E-Boy has this steering wheel where you can buy it and you can arrange to have it shipped to the arcade uh, in reality using, like, uh, E-Boy Prime or whatever we want to call it. I'm getting serious emoji movie flashbacks right now. Ah, wow, you beat me to it. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so that's the plot. However, there's also a subplot whereby Vanellope's struggling with her station in life because what we're doing is we're inverting the plot from the last movie and it's going to be Vanellope doing what Ralph did last time. She's looking for more fulfilment and she finds that in a different video game called Slaughter Race, which is run by this sassy, sexy woman racer called Shank, who's played by Gal Gadot. And uh, it's like Twisted Metal. If you ever saw those video games, you know where you're Don't in the... be silly. It was a series of PlayStation games where you got in a car and you had like rocket launchers mounted to the top and things like that. Okay. It's like Grand Theft Auto meets just like a, a death match kind of a scenario. And she's struggling with that. There's Disney princesses in there. Ralph needs to raise money to buy this steering wheel, so he goes to YouTube to become a viral video star. Ugh. And there he meets Yas, who's played by Taraji. Yes. Yeah, who's played by Taraji P. Henson, and he's the most annoying person this side of Ezra Miller. So I tell you. You what with all that in mind here is a clip hi whoa whoa ladies i can explain see um i'm a princess too what kind of a princess are you what kind do you have magic hair no magic hands no do animals talk to you no were you poisoned no cursed, cursed? no kidnapped or enslaved no are you guys okay should i call the police and now for the million dollar question Do people assume all your problems got solved because a big, strong man showed up? Yes! What is up with that? She is a princess! So, yeah, you've seen that clip in the trailers. Uh-huh. And do you know the really interesting part about that, and I didn't realise it when I first saw it, is those Disney princesses, the majority of them are all actually using their original voice actresses as well. I only know that because, the, um, I don't know if it was the premiere for this or it was something to do with this, they were all there. They were all there, yeah. yeah. So you've got Mandy Moore as, as Rapunzel, Ming-Na Wen turns up as Mulan, uh, uh, you've got... Uh, what do you call it from Frozen and, and yeah the whole Dean the Menzel whole gang. And yeah, it, it, whatever, yeah. It, what do you call it? Adele Dazim, yeah. Uh, Adele Dazim. Adele Dazim. The um, they're all there. They are the best thing about this movie. The asp the element that takes Vanellope into dealing with the agency and the exploration of the Disney princess archetype, that is better than anything else in this movie, which is otherwise basically the emoji movie remade to the quality level of the return of Jafar. Ooh. Yes, I went there. <laughs> yes, I good. said it. Um, I laughed a few times because there's some deep cut nerd gags in there. However, for every deep cut nerd gag you get, you also get, just like the Emoji movie, that gag that has clearly been pitched in by a studio executive trying to be trendy. Ugh, it's you know so the ones. embarrassing. You know, like when, you remember that Nativity movie where they did the, the flash bobs? Like, no, I don't. Like that level. I haven't level seen any of, of those okay, hideous well, films. Okay, we'll never do. Just if anyone offers, punch them in the face. Sure. Um, 
But uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's not good. It's it's not as good as either Finding Dory or The Incredibles 2. It well, they're is, very good films. Even, I would say they're phoned in a little bit. This no. is extremely phoned in. And I'll be really honest, I came away from this thinking, yes, it's visually inventive. Yes, it's at least trying to do something different. But good Lord, please put more effort into Frozen 2. It just sounds very complicated to me for a kid's film. It is needlessly complicated. There's a lot of plots doesn't ultimately amount to much. There is a new status quo by the end of it. I don't think it needs to have done that. I don't think this film needs to exist. There's a reason you don't make Snowpiercer 2. It's because the first one was nigh on perfect. Wreck-It Ralph is exactly like that. Also, uh, this one really irked me. It goes back and forth on its own stance on the internet. Ah. Which is to say, at one point, we are shown YouTube and we're told this is, you know, this is a cynical, horrible thing. And then later on, we're told, oh, actually, you, you've used it for good and you won't be able to do this without it or this without it. And, and then the next breath, you're shown uh, YouTube comments, for instance, mm. which are displayed in a way that is not in keeping with anything else in the film. Mm. And you think, and we're then kind of told the internet is a cesspool that makes people cruel and gives them license to do that. And you're thinking, this would all be a lot funnier if James Gunn still had a job. So, yeah. You know what you need to do, Disney? Yeah. We hire James Gunn. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. And we're back, Ms. Needham. Woohoo! So, uh, what's our next review to get on with? What have we got? Um, can we talk about Rachel Vice? I tell you what, I'll see your Rachel and I'll raise you another Rachel as well. <gasps> Go on, which one? It depends. McAdams. Oh, I'm in. So, you win. this movie stars the Rachels. The Rachels. They are pretty much the only Rachels now, aren't they? I guess so, Rachel. There's Rachel Bloom, I suppose, but she's not really a megastar. No, she's very niche. Very niche. Say. Is that Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Is yeah, that Rachel? I mean, okay. it's excellent. Well, it was excellent. Right. Anyway, I, I, I've, I've not on. seen an episode of it. Move but, on. But, okay, so, new movie from director Sebastian Lelio, who brought us A Fantastic Woman last year. A woman so fantastic, she won the Oscar for Best Foreign Language Film. Oh, well done. So, he's now moved on to orthodox Jewish lesbian drama. Oh, I've been asking for this for years. Well, you know you say that it turns out that orthodox jewish dramas really are like buses you wait years for one to come along in the same year because we reviewed menashe earlier this year as well so we are two this year so boom mic drop (laughs) (laughs) so rachel vice is uh, ronit kushka who is uh, a Mm -hmm. new york-based photographer Uh, she goes by the name uh, she goes by the name ronnie i think or something ronnie connor or something like that as a sort of professional name she returns to her north london home uh, upon learning of the death of her estranged rabbi father who is basically king rabbi of their particular orthodox jewish community he was the big dog Mm -hmm. Uh, she returns home they had parted on extremely but in extremely bad way uh, on extremely bad way uh, extremely bad form i don't know stick with it they'd argued anyway say with confidence okay they'd argued then she left that was years ago she's now back for the funeral she meets up with his protege who's played by alessandro nivola remember alessandro nivola he was pollock's troy in face off He was billy the sidekick in jurassic park 3 the guy who got to voice a talking raptor Alan, 
him. <laughs> um, it turns out that in the intervening years, Alessandra Novola has married uh, someone else that Ronit uh, used to know, um, Esty, played by Rachel McAdams. By the way, everyone in this movie is British and putting on an accent, including McAdams. Oh, no. And she pulls it off. So uh, it sure? very quickly transpires, however, that the reason behind why Ronit had had to leave in the first place is because she and Esty had developed an attraction over the course of their very long friendship that had then spooled into something physical and eventually romantic. Her father had uncovered this, and you can imagine how this went down. Her return, however, sees that pretty much instantly reignited and uh, brings with it certain social, well, disputes. Mm. We have a clip. We saw your photos in a magazine. Mm. Yeah, it was the, the pictures of the twins that you showed us. But they, they called you Ronnie Curtis. That's my professional name. What was wrong with your real name? Krushka, you should be proud of it. Artists change their names sometimes, don't they, Moshe? That's right, for Yeah. Well. Women. Women change their names every day. They take their husband's names and their own history is gone. Don't they? What are you talking about, gone? Not gone? Yes. <laughs> they do. Mm. So, yeah, this is absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. It is... Uh, the, the actual Orthodox Jewish side is interesting in that way that you could actually supplant this to explore other cultures as well. You could actually right. see this, for instance, remade. You could remake this, set it, in, set it around a Bradford Muslim community uh-huh. and make the same movie, and it would be exactly... I mean, depending on the performers you got, be exactly as effective and moving. It's a really powerful, really emotional drama. Um, the Rachels are terrific. The Rachels. The Rachels. Um, Alessandra Nivola gets 10 minutes at the end of this film that form the absolute high watermark of his entire career to date. Oh, good for him. Not even exaggerating. And I am including Ellen in that. (laughs) So so, um, I will say this, though. Um, There's been a lot of focus, particularly online, surrounding the big sex scene in this. Yeah, men are pervs. But it's not actually about that. It, it's about... There's a, there is a level of gratuity to it that you don't quite expect. There's a rawness to it. And yes, there is something to that sentiment. However, by the time you get there, this film has been so intricately put together, so well constructed, and built its emotional base so profoundly mm-hmm. that... You know that old thing about actors and actresses and nude scenes? It's like, I'll do it if it's tasteful. Yes. That. You're just like, you know what? You earned this. You absolutely earned this. It is, for the very first time that I can remember in recent years, a sex scene that's genuinely emotional. It has emotional... Is it a sex scene that actually seems like real sex? Yes. It is that. It's pretty much that. You do feel like you are watching two people in love. Aww. And it's very rare you get to say that. Yeah, it's as weird as it sounds, but uh, yeah, um, directorially terrific. I mean, I, I know it's set in a North London, you know, suburb, but it actually has this feeling of being in an entirely alien world. The, the way in which they framed it to make Rachel mm. Vice feel like an alien in her own home, yeah, kind of element, it is really well put together. I thought it was terrific. I think every, the big three, I thought, were absolutely superb Just in this. testament to Rachel McAdams. She really can do anything. Rachel McAdams genuinely can do anything, except become a movie star. Yeah, what is this? Like, I don't know. What does the girl have to do? I know. Scott Mendelson said years ago, if Rachel McAdams had come along five years earlier, she would have actually been a movie star. You think? I think so, because she did come around about that 
point where we pretty much had, eh, we've got Sandy B, we've got Reese Witherspoon, eh, we don't need any more for now. I always think, though, I, I always forget, should I say, how old she is. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. How old way. is she? Well, she must be coming on towards 40. Like, I'd imagine about that. Late 30s. Tell you but what. she seems to me like she should be in her late 20s. <laughs> Probably. Uh, it's because she kind of permanently plays that way. I mean, now I she, so. nowadays she kind of seems to play like 35, I would say. Like, yeah, you look I have like to game say, night, Game Night like was 35. a bit jarring for me at first because I thought, there's no way she's old enough to be married to Jason Bateman. <laughs> but, you know. But, yeah, no, you're probably looking sense. up, they're probably the same age. Yeah, probably. But, uh, so, um, what have we got in the film news to tide us over to the next one? Um, shall we talk about Sylvester Stallone and his threats? Oh, yeah, he's threatened that... Uh, Creed 2 is his last Rocky appearance. That's it. It's finally, finally hanging up his gloves. Well, I haven't seen Creed 2 yet. I mean, I've had a lot on, so I've not been able to catch it. There was a screening tonight at the BFI with Dolph Lundgren. No way. I know. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, I would have loved to have gone to that. Because obviously I was born in 1983, so Rocky Four's like the Bible to me. Mm. But, you know, it's one of those things. But, uh, yeah, I mean... If it is, then it's probably about time, and at least the series... I was going to say it's far too late. I mean, the series can continue now, and... Well, I think that's his point, isn't it? It's like he's yeah. he's handed his gloves over well, that to the is new it. generation. And also, once you've done a sequel to Rocky IV, mm. you have then unpacked pretty much everything there is to do with the legacy. I mean, what was the next movie going to be? The son of Rocky fights the son of Apollo Creed? I mean, would make sense yeah. if we hadn't already established that he had no interest in boxing, but... Yeah, but then again, yeah. you know, it's not like there's a great continuity to the Rocky series. We like to forget that Rocky has been brain damaged for four movies now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that, that slipped under the radar. Four. Bear, right. At the end of Rocky Four, uh, sorry, at the beginning of Rocky Five, the whole plot of Rocky Five centers around the idea that Dolph Lundgren smacked Sylvester Stallone in the head so hard that he was brain damaged. And over the course of Jeez. Rocky Five, Stallone plays this as a sort of debilitating illness. So Rocky constantly slurs his words and gets confused. It, That's uh, just Sylvester Stallone. Right, it never comes up in any <laughs> other movie. And hilariously, the sixth movie in the series, Rocky Balboa, mm-hmm. has a storyline that revolves in entirely around Rocky being certified to fight, being declared fit enough to fight. And I was sat there the entire way through that movie thinking, he's brain damaged. I mean, no one thinks to bring What's this What's he got to do? I mean, the best part was, I think it was Rocky 2, where they said if he took another punch, he'd be blind. Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, continuity is not a thing in this series. So, you know, I don't think it's important mind. to the audience. <laughs> really now we not. just need to convince him to give up on Rambo. Well, he's got one more of those in the tank. So. Last, is it Last Blood? Last Blood, yeah. So he says. That's what it should be called. Rambo, Last Blood, dot, dot, dot. So, so he, he says. says. Well, you know, he's got, got to go to Mexico and fight sex traffickers. Jeez. So, anyway, can I cheer you up a bit, though? Go on, I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you about... I've got like four minutes to tell you about Mowgli. Go, oh, do you know what? I didn't know this was happening until yesterday. Right, okay. Here's the thing with this. This was meant to happen two years ago. Oh. But Before obviously... Before Disney. Well, it was meant to happen about five months after Disney. Was that two years ago? That was two years ago. You see what I mean about the the time time flow of movies? Because Mm. we we exist within the movie bubble, Mm. we lose track of time. So the idea was we were meant to have a whole Deep Impact Armageddon, Dante's Peak Volcano thing going on with the Jungle Book. Yeah, but they were never going to win against Disney, were they? Well, here's the thing. This one has an ace up its sleeve. Go on. And that ace is Sir Andy of Circus. Oh. 
not only is he in this, uh-huh. not only has his company made it, dude directed it as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> the trifecta. He's playing Baloo. No way! He really is. So, right, okay. What you've got here is a version that's closer to the first three Rudyard Kipling stories mm-hmm. than the, the the Disney version is. Because the Disney version obeys the original animated Disney version from the 60s. Yes. Incidentally, last film uh, Walt Disney had direct input on. Was it? Yeah, final film Walt Disney worked on. Oh, trivia. But anyway, um, and also I didn't realise that film only exists because the animators asked him if they could just have something that gave them an excuse to animate more animals. Aww. Yeah, funny story. That all worked out. But obviously, Jungle Book came out in 2016. John Favreau directed a hell of a movie. It made all the money. And then they decided, you know what? Let's give it more of a window. Let's polish up the special effects. We'll create more of a space between the two films. And, you know, we don't mind. Just make the best film you can. And it turns out he did. So, Mowgli, orphaned, man cub, Sheer Khan, killed parents, wolves, take him in. You know the broad strokes here? You get where yeah, I'm going. Yeah. Same kind of story. Only here it turns out that in order to join the wolf pack, you have to go through an initiation ceremony called The Running, mm-hmm. which is basically all the up-and-coming young cubs mm-hmm. basically have to leg it from point A to point B, and Bagheera the Black Panther hunts them down one by one. And if he doesn't get you and you make it to the end, you're in. Jeez, that's dark. Oh, yeah. But wait for it, because I swear to God, this gets far darker than you think it ever would. So, Shere Khan comes back, and he's raising all sorts of hell in the jungle. He's causing men to encroach further into the jungle, and basically threatening the territory of all animal life that live there. Okay. Okay. Also, he really wants that man-cub, so Bagheera strikes a deal with him. If Mowgli can, can make it through the running and join the pack, the pack will protect him. If he doesn't, the only place Mowgli will be safe is in the man village. So, yeah. I'll tell you what, here's a clip. All I've ever wanted is to belong. You will always be my son, Mowgli. Nothing can ever change that. The jungle is changing. Man is taking more of it. And boy may just be our only hope of survival. We're afraid of what man might do to us. The pack needs you, Mowgli. I didn't expect anything from this. I'll be really honest. I went into this thinking I'm going to get a meh at the end of this, aren't I? Yeah. Uh, Loved it. Absolutely loved it end to end. It starts off really cartoony. Mm. Um, I should mention as well, this is a 12A. It's a hard 12A. Okay. And I mean mostly for tone. And right, Okay, yeah, so what you've got like to say is a film that starts very cartoony, yeah. it levels out as it goes on, and it starts to embrace its own darkness. By the time you get to the halfway mark of this, you have forgotten that John Favreau Disney version You're ever at midnight. existed. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's, it's very it's very much more in keeping with the the Rod Kipling stories. By all, I mean, by all accounts, Andy Serkis is really into this. Uh, Callie Cloves has written the screenplay. And I believe Richard Cloves was going to direct this at one point. He went through a bunch of directors before Andy Serkis came aboard. Um, I I thought the performances in this were terrific. Who no, have we got in this? This is what I was going to get to. Right, so as Baloo, Andy Serkis. Mm-hmm. As Bagheera, Christian Bale. Oh. As Carr, Kate Blanchett. Oh. As Shere Khan. Benedict Cumberbatch, Ugh. as uh, leader of the wolves, P. 
Peter Mullen oh. as Mowgli's adopted parents, Naomi Harris and Eddie Marson. As uh, I know, Eddie Marson. I know the list just goes on and on in this thing. Matthew Reese, who's like the pound store version of uh, Jason Clark, he's in this as the obligatory human presence. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil too much about his character. There's uh, there's a, there's a hammer dropping moment in this where you're like, oh wow, okay, this is the movie we're making because I'd forgotten the trailer, and there's just a moment right, just the halfway the mark. Yesterday. Oh, so you probably know what the hammer drop is then. But when they drop their hammer, you're like, oh wow, okay, we're, we're going here. Yeah, okay, totally different terrain, and then they take it in a just so many directions you don't see it going, and I loved it. Rohan Chand, by the way, who plays Mowgli. I like a lot more than I liked the young boy from the uh, Disney oh, world. Oh, I couldn't bear him. Uh, Rohan Chand, it turns out, no, he, he was in Lone Survivor and Bad Words. Didn't recognise him from those, though. Do you know where I recognised him from? The Marketplace in Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Oh, is he the little kid that... Thank God the... you're here, Dr. Brainstaff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the NPC, the non-playable yeah. character. Just keeps who... repeating the same thing. Yeah, exactly. I recognised him instantly from that. Moment. It's Marketplace, kid! <laughs> I think if you go on, like, IMDb, he is literally credited as Marketplace, kid. Oh, I'm going to look. Wait, I've got <laughs> but, it up uh, here. Anyway, so that's out in Curzon Cinemas from Thursday this week. So Thursday the 29th, uh-huh. that's in cinemas. It is on Netflix, though, from next Friday. Oh, I'm going to wait and watch right. it on Netflix. Thing kid is, at though, Bizarre. Sorry? He's kid at Bizarre. Kid at Bizarre. Well, close enough. But yeah. uh, if you can get the chance, it's on the big screen, though. It's really worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's grown up Jungle Book, basically. It's it's more grown up Jungle Book. See, Jungle Book is John's favorite Disney. I film. know it is, and I know he so didn't like. Is he like. gonna like this? This is the thing, though. This, this is not a musical. This is far yeah. from a musical, and this is a lot more horror inspired Ooh, at times. So maybe I'll like it. Uh, also, big difference here as well is the animation they've used is like the animals look perfectly; they they move perfectly organically, mm. but the actual faces have been designed to resemble the actor. Oh no, that's creepy. So Bagheera genuinely looks like what would happen if Christian Bale mated with a tiger, if you can imagine such a thing. He's a panther. Get it right. Oh, sorry, panther. Why am I saying tiger? Shere Khan's the tiger. Sorry, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm mixing my... Outrageous. My anyway, anyway, so, that's out it's this... It's a good film. It's a good film. That's out this week. Andy Serkis has literally rewritten The Jungle Book, and I love it. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. The Movie Marker radio show and podcast. Gotta love that tune. Right, so welcome back. So what have Thank we got you. to cover? Shall we do the top five? That sounds fun. Let's uh, let's do the top five. Number five. Nativity Rocks. Does it? I, I was painful even saying that. I'm I sorry. know. I've not seen it because it wasn't press shown. Good. I mean, I wouldn't do why. <laughs> mm-hmm. Why might you not show it? I don't think they ever do, actually. How I don't many think they, is this now? This is the fourth. Yeah, the last one was Nativity 3, Dude, Where's My Donkey? No. Uh, starring Martin Clunes. And of course it was. Yeah, I think, was it the first? Stop making these. I think the first one starred uh, Martin Freeman. The second one starred David Tennant. I was going to say, yeah. The third one starred Martin Clunes. The fourth one apparently just stars nobody, nobody you'd know. Nobody cares. I honestly thought they'd just go with Neil Morrissey. Well, they need to. (laughs) It's clearly the future. No, they're heading for Paul Whitehouse. Oh no, really? Mm, I don't know. Anyway, uh, so it's not been press shown. I've not seen it. I'm not paying my own money to see a nativity movie Mm because I sat through the last one doing that, and oh, good God, it was just it it was the worst. So, uh, has anybody tweeted who might have seen it though? 
Um, yeah, so at Peyton L, uh, she says, saw hashtag Nativity Rocks yesterday. Simultaneously, the worst slash best thing I have ever seen. That sounds about right, to be honest. <laughs> Number four. We're men. We're men in tights. We run from the rich and give to the poor. That's right. It's Robin Hood. Right, I seem to be the only guy on the planet that liked this. Yeah, apparently. Well, this is Right. It is what it is, but it's happy to be what it is. It yeah. has no ambition beyond, you know what, we're just going to do Robin Hood, but we're just going to do it as Arrow. Which I'm fine about. I forget, we didn't review this last week, obviously. Well, shout out to your me movies, because yes, it was I, brilliant. Th- did you like it, by the way? I did. Thank I you very I'm, much. Uh, oh, you were thanked on the end of that. Anyway, I was. Um, I liked that bit, too. Of course you do. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, check out the, the full review on me movies on YouTube, but uh, say it's Arrow as Robin Hood, mm-hmm. and... I'm down with that. I mean, there's a little bit of Mask of Zorro in there. There's a little bit of Kingsman in there. For me, it just about works. It sounded to me, my impression was, it's a load of crap, but it's enjoyable crap. Pretty much that. Do you know what? Yes. Nail on the head. BAFTA for you. Thank so, you. So, <laughs> who's tweeted, and do they think it's enjoyable crap? At Demi McGlenn says, Jamie Dornan has taken it to a whole new level in the Robin Hood film, and then she's put the heart eyes emojis and a drooling emoji. Wrong! Beelzebub has a devil put aside for me, for me, for me. Number three. Bohemian Rhapsody. Which is, you know, it's a lot of fun. It's not a particularly great movie, but it's fun. You yeah, know, it's, well, uh, it, it hits what you wanted from it. It hits the broad strokes of its own story, I it's suppose. not what a lot of people wanted from it, but, you know. <laughs> Not really. I mean, I kind of wanted a movie about Freddie Mercury, but... Uh, that kind of was what we were promised, but there we Yeah, go. yeah. I mean, I, I can't help but think the world might have been a better place if someone was actually given Sasha Baron Cohen what he asked for in the first day. I place, hope he but, just uh, goes ahead and does it. I hope he does a walk hard. Yeah. And just makes his own exactly. sort of almost parodic version. Yeah. But does it in that way that only he can? He's got to wait for the rest of them to die first. Well, I don't know, because, you know, Walk Hard got made without having to have permission from the Johnny Cash estate, so... There you go, Sasha. And that was made. That was kind of made in retaliation to like walk the line. So, but uh, say the performance though at the centre of uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is very good. Like Rami Malek is terrific as Freddie Mm -hmm. Mercury. It's just a shame the depiction of Freddie Mercury isn't a particularly good one, and also. It shouldn't be the case that a Freddie Mer- that a movie about Freddie Mercury is only particularly entertaining when he's with Queen. So who'd have thunk? Yeah, who'd have thunk that one? So um, who's tweeted and what do they think of it? Let me just get my words right for this one. <laughs> At Lollipop Soda Pop, thank you. Um, says Train of Thought. Bohemian Rhapsody was ripped by the critics, but was warmly accepted by the general public. So yeah. Uh, yeah, so was Batman v Superman, moron. Number two. You're a mean one. You really are a heel. The Grinch. Now, my sister went and saw this at a baby-friendly screening. And what did your nephew think? Well, my nephew is uh, too young to form complex thoughts and analysis and, and semiotically critique. Give him no credit to uh, a, a, a film old, at present. So I'm, I'm working <laughs> on it, though. I'm working on it. Um, but uh, she thought it was very good, which depressed me greatly because I thought it was horrible. Um, my best mate seen it, took her little one to see it, loved yeah? it. Really? Mm-hmm. Right, okay, have you seen it? 
Nope. Do you like the Grinch? Nope. Okay. Do you appreciate the Grinch, though, for what it is? Certainly. Okay. So if I tell you that they made a movie in which they have to stop every five minutes to basically point out that the Grinch is actually a nice person, but he just got screwed over a bit, would that strike you as in any way interesting? Not really. No, me neither. In fact, it's more fun if the Grinch is, well, a bad guy. Because that's yeah, what the Grinch is. Yeah, but people don't want bad guys anymore. It's like Suicide Squad. But that's the story of the Grinch. The story of the Grinch literally is he's a bad guy and then he discovers niceness at the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Jim Carrey version fluffed it up a bit, but never to this extreme. This is the most sanitised thing I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I appreciate they've done it to fit into that whole illumination kind of thing, but uh, I, I started off mocking it and then went full minion by the end of that word, didn't I? You but, did. Uh, illumination! Illumination! Uh, but... It, it's it's just got this. What do they call him? Chance the rapper, or whoever it is doing the I have the soundtrack. No idea. The whole thing has this sanitized Starbucks hip hop album mentality to it that it just never wants to give up. The thing's narrated by Pharrell as well, oh. and who incidentally doesn't seem to realise that uh, rooms don't have roofs; they have ceilings. Thank you, Pharrell. But entire generation <laughs> of kids that don't seem to know that now. But uh, yeah. Remind me, who's the Grinch again? Benedict Cumberbatch, Ah. which means he now has two films out at the same time. Both voiceovers. Both voiceover roles. He's a pretty good Grinch, to be fair. It's just a shame the film, The Grinch, isn't particularly any good. I mean, for one minute, there is, for one one thing, there is 11 minutes of Grinching in a movie called The Grinch. So, I mean, I haven't been that annoyed since there was 20 minutes of a casino in a movie called Casino Royale. But, Mm. uh, yeah. So I take it whoever's tweeted loved it. Uh, yeah, you might be right about that. Ugh, of course not. At Touches. Okay. Says the Grinch is the cutest thing ever to exist. Okay then. Number one. Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. No, yesterday, uh, Calvin went and saw this. Mm-hmm. What do you Cal- think? Calvin, to the to the uninitiated, is the news editor at Movie Marker. And uh, he went to see this, and his walk home might be the longest journey his friends have ever taken in their lives because he was just ranting and raving the whole way and apparently oh, yeah. annoyed them to the extent that he had to direct it to me instead via text. He referred to it as the Phantom Menace of this franchise. Oh, dear. And you know what? Actually, that is bang on the money. (laughs) Absolutely. In that same way that the Phantom Menace narratively just didn't need to exist. Same thing. I have to say, I, I haven't spoken to anyone who's seen it that thinks it's any good. Well, yeah, that's, that's about right. I I genuinely wouldn't want to keep someone in my life if they told me that they thought this was a good movie. I mean, Dear. that's the thing. It's it's not even Batman Superman bad, because Batman Superman you know, had to try. It was trying, and it was bad. Mm. This is just lazy. This is just haphazard flinging mythology at the camera and seeing what sticks to it. But you know what? The next one that they bring out will make just as much money, if not more. Of course it will. So I take it whoever's forked over there may see it has, and then tweeted us has loved it because everyone else seems to. I can't wait to uh, read the last bit of this one. Oh, there. God, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> at Mary Basie. Uh, she says, of course I was going to love Fantastic Beasts. I mean, how could you not when there's a cast consisting of Eddie Redmayne, Jude Law, Ezra Milley, Ezra Milley? Ezra, Ezra Milley. Miller, and Johnny Depp. Hashtag 
Dumble Foire. <laughs> you know what? I don't. I don't agree with. I don't agree with the positivity. But for the for the hashtag, you get it. You, you get it. You get it. You get it for the hashtag. So uh, let's talk then about a film that I've been dying to talk to you about. Yes, uh, I, I, I can see that you're salivating. Currently. I really am. I, I saw this for the first time today. Go okay. on then. Um, it is a documentary. Okay. Um, okay. I'm just I'm just going to give you a setup, and you tell me how how deranged this sounds. So, do you remember your first day at uni? Yes. Right. Vividly. Imagine if you'd gone to uni, and it turned out on your you went to uni on your first day, and everybody just recognised you. Despite having never met you, everyone just recognised you. Like I'm Harry Potter? No, but, like, they've <laughs> met you. They've spent significant amounts of time with you. Oh. They have a relationship with you, oh. and they're welcoming you back. What? Huh. Bit of a mystery, right? Yeah. That happened to a man in 1980. 1980? 1980, a kid went to college, community college, and he was recognised. He was high-fived, he was hugged, he was kissed by women. Ooh. I mean, jammy git, no one comes up and kisses me out of the blue. But uh, I'll kiss you later. It then turned out that uh, someone had recently dropped out of that college, who was his exact doppelganger. What? Who shared his exact birthday, who came from the exact same orphanage he did. What? Yeah, turned out he had a twin brother he never knew about. But get this. He was adopted himself, obviously. Uh-huh. They were both adopted. Right. They get together. This becomes a news story. And when this story winds up in the newspapers, obviously, you know, it gets around. Because that's how people used to get the news once upon a time. And then one day, out of the blue, this random girl sees a picture in the paper and thinks, Why do these two guys look like my friend? So she asked her friend, who it turned out was born on the same day... Came from the same... No the sa- way. There was three of them. I'm not having this. This, this, is, a, this is actually a true story. What? But wait, there's more. But wait. Here's a clip. As soon as this guy turned around, I, 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 was, I was actually shaking. I was... I, I know I... The colour from my face dropped because I knew it was his double. He had the same grin... The same hair, the same expressions, it was his double. And I see this guy's face, and he's, like, just standing there. The first thing out of my mouth was, were you adopted? And and I was like, yes. I said, is your birthday July 12th? He said, yes. I was like, July 12th, 1961. Oh, my God. I said, you're not going to believe this. I said, you have a twin brother. You have a twin. I know. What? I know, I know. This is completely real. Okay, so I'm not going to spoil where this goes because, believe me, this gets insane. Even more than that? Even more than, than that. Random triplets coming Would you together? believe me if I told you that there was a genuine, real-world, bona fide conspiracy involved in this? What? Not even kidding. Not even kidding. A conspiracy that still to this day has not been entirely resolved. But this movie explores that. What? It takes so many twists and turns. You can't believe actual human beings have endured this. It's a fascinating study of, you know, a strange family's long-lost connections. The the unspoken connection between brothers, even if they don't know they are brothers. The, uh, the, the, the difference between nature and nurture and how one can win out over the other. Uh-huh. Mental health and how mental health can be congenital within a family and the relationship between genetics and mental health. And, yeah... 
How is this not a more famous story? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. It is insane. It's huh. brilliant. Very well shot. Very well realised. The way this has been put together and, and laid out for us is at once both captivating and edge of your seat engrossing. I couldn't look away the entire time. I thought it was strange. It's only a tight 90 minutes. Absolutely worth seeing. I've got a really important question for you. Go on. What the hell is this thing called? Three Identical Strangers. Ah, uh, now I see you what see? you didn't tell us. Ah, there you go. So Three Identical Strangers, out this Friday. you got to see this thing. It's bonkers. It's brilliant. It's moving. And it's bonkers. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. The Movie Marker radio show and podcast. And we're back for one last ride. And don't forget, if you can identify all three of our idents from this episode, stick them in a tweet, fire them over to at Movie Marker, mm-hmm. just put hashtag off screen themes on the end of it. And you know what? You, you might randomly win a DVD. You never know. So, one last ride then. What Let's we got? Let's do it. So, what's our uh, final review of the week going to be, Ms. Needham? Um, something about an apocalypse. Oh, Girl yes. Called Anna. Okay. Again, Anna... you're salivating. <laughs> Ruling to Just tell me about brace it. Brace yourself. I promise you ain't prepared for this. Just you ain't ready for me. You ain't ready for me. Okay. All so right. um, there's a review quote on there that says Shaun of the Dead meets La La Land, and Ooh. that's probably the best way to describe this. It is a zombie Christmas musical. I never knew I needed that in my life until today. Okay, first of all, yes, you absolutely do need this in your life. Okay, so it is the story of Anna, who is a, uh, you know, she's a sixth former. She's got, she's uh, dreaming of going traveling before union, sort of finding herself. Her, mm-hmm. her father doesn't want her to go. Her best friend slash friend-zoned love interest. There's always that, one. Who's also an Iron Man obsessive, but comes up like twice. In Iron the Man, the character, or Iron Man, the... The, the character. He's obsessed uh. with Iron Man, it comes up twice. And he works in a bowling... Actually, they all seem to work in a bowling alley that has a ball pit. Anyway, um, it is that it is the night of their uh, their big school uh, musical uh, production, the, mm-hmm. like, uh, the school Christmas talent show, as it is. And uh, yeah, the events of Shaun of the Dead basically happen, and zombies are coming for everyone. Excellent. Uh, but this is a musical, so all of this unfolds around musical numbers. And just to kind of show you how this works, do you remember that scene in Shaun of the Dead where he walks to the shop to buy the cornetto? Yes. And he's hung over and he's not paying attention, and yes. all the, the the world it's all is ending around him. But how it's ending behind him? Yeah, yeah. Right. Imagine that happening behind this musical number and actually listen to the lyrics Yeah, you get the idea. <laughs> you get the idea, don't you? Oh, I'm so in for this. Yeah. Okay, first of all, in terms of how this is staged, actually, that's kind of the problem with it, actually, is how it's staged. Um, the cast, very good. Paul Kay is hamming it up massively as a sort of demon headmaster type. He's mm-hmm. uh, Dennis Penis. Okay, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it's all gone yeah. Pete Tong, you know him. The guy um, from Game of Thrones. Yes, yes, guy from Game of Thrones. 
hang on, though, that doesn't narrow it down anymore. That's like a requirement of BAFTA now. That weird guy that died in Game of Thrones, but then he weren't dead. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah. Uh, he's hamming up as the headmaster, though. Um, other than that, though, you've got a pretty decent cast in there. Uh, Sarah Swire, Ella Hunt, uh, Ben Wiggins. You don't really know any of them. None, none of them are sort of recognisable, but they are quite good uh, musical performers. Excellent. And they they have the chops to pull this off, and they 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 can clearly get to grips with the choreography and the, the really big musical numbers that they're doing with this. It's a great fun film. It's a little daft on poor Kay's part, but he sort of pulls it off. I don't mind a bit but of daft. It's a musical. Here's and, and I will say this though: the the songs are brilliant. The are they songs, already on your Spotify? Oh God, yeah. <laughs> The thing is, though, and think back to Greatest Showman for this. Yeah. You know you're watching a a musical with really good songs when you're a third of the way through that song and you're already humming along. Ah, yes. You know when when you sort of know the chorus and you sing along to the chorus bit by the time they do it the second or third time, second or third reprisal? It's one of those. Excellent. So by the time she gets that I am miles away, I'm already singing along. And this is British, right? And it's British. I can tell the twang of the singing. Mm, so. Well, and the fact that Dennis Pennison. Of course, there has to be a thing to sync it, doesn't there? Oh, no. I know. It was so close to being perfect. Do you know how close this was to being perfect? How close? This was so close to being perfect that it could, with one minor adjustment, have been this generation's Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I am not saying that lightly. Jeez. Go on, yeah. then. What did they do wrong? It is really badly directed. Oh, no. And so John McPhail's directed this. And, Shame on you. Well, he has McPhailed his city. So um, what he's done is he's made a, a pretty TV-level production. And it looks... This is the thing. You and I have seen enough low-budget British films to know that mm. you know financial limitations do not have to hold you back. Definitely not. You can make great things on an iPhone. I was going to say. Yeah. Get your phone out of your pocket, love. Yeah, exactly. Um, the the problem with this is there's no intention whatsoever to bring any theatricality to definitely the film anyway, but also specifically the musical numbers. Oh. So you're in a brightly lit room. The, one of the characters wants to switch to doing a song and dance number. The lighting doesn't change. The style of shooting doesn't change. Nothing. They just stand on the state table and start singing. Do you know what this guy needs to do? Watch he needs Glee. to watch, well, not just Glee, but Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yes, yes. In fact, I've seen that do it quite well. Yes. The clips I've seen of that, they do exactly what I needed this to do. Yeah. The film is really good. It's just insanely badly directed. Oh. And you do sit there and think, if you just gotten some second unit director from Glee or, what was it, Britannia High or High School Musical, anyone from one of those things. What the hell was John M. Chu doing at this point that he couldn't spare half an hour? Mm-mm. You know, I, Crazy Rich Asians 2 isn't for another couple of years, but... Uh, What's Adam Shankman doing these days? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> God, you know what I mean? Like these crop of guys who only yeah. do like musicals and concert movies. And yeah, one of those could have made this into this generation's Rocky Horror Picture show oh, and I, I say and i have no qualms in can't giving you just it give up. this feedback and they can redo it i wish they would i wish they would i mean i think it was i thought what i what i found in it and the tone that it went for i thought was genuinely terrific but it's you can't quite look past the fact that you can't be immersed in these musical numbers oh. and that's a problem because the songs are so good the performances are so good the actual shooting and the framing of them though Goddamn awful. 
Shame on you, John McPhail. Exactly. You have McPhailed. So, alas, it is not our film of the week. Go on then, what's going to have it? Oh, I'll be honest, this one's a toffee. (laughs) You're going to give it the triplet thing, aren't you? I don't know. I mean, there is the the triplet thing, Three Identical Strangers, is very, very, very good. Not everybody's going to be able to see it, Not everyone's going to see it. I'll be honest with you, I want to give it to Disobedience. Do it! I, yeah, I'm going to give it to Disobedience. I thought Disobedience was really good. It and sounds also, pretty good. Yeah. It's not, it's not for everyone. It's not a bums-on-seat Saturday night at the multiplex crowd-pleaser. But it's got real dramatic heft. And I would be devastated if this doesn't get some kind of awards love. It's one oh, of those it that will. you know this has to get one of the two of them a Best Actress nomination. Yeah. At least at the BAFTAs or something. They've got to pick both. Surely you can't just pick one over the other. I wonder because they are different roles and they do have different functions within the story it's one of those I can see this doing well like the BAFTAs maybe not the Oscars mm. like that. but uh, yeah fair enough disobedience, <laughs> disobedience what about next week know. why should so, people come back why should we come back next week you know mm-hmm. why because Sorry to Bother You is out next week what's and that I've, I've been waiting for Sorry to Bother You Sorry to Bother You is the debut feature film from American uh, pseudo-auteur Boots Riley. Ooh. Which, you, you got to love him just for his name, right? Boots. Boots Riley. It stars Lakeith Stanfield, whom I adore. Uh-huh. And it is about a telesales worker, a call centre employee, who discovers how to, how to access his white guy voice. Oh. And then becomes a massive overnight success and it explores capitalism and corporate greed, etc. And that sounds very interesting. Yeah, and it stars Tessa Thompson and David Cross and... Yeah, I love David Cross. I know it looks deranged. I can't wait. Excellent. Uh, we've also got Await Further Instructions, which just looked random. Can't wait for that. Sure. Uh, Mug is out next week, foreign language film, and of course, this one's been delayed for a long time. Tulip Fever, Ooh. starring Alicia Vikander. I believe it's an erotic drama with her and Dane DeHaan. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because I was just thinking to myself the other day, whatever happened to Dane Darn? We haven't seen him for a couple of yeah, years. Yeah, he went quiet. Like, cure for wellness, and then he vanished. To be fair, I'd need a rest after that. Really? I really like to cure for wellness. Nah. I mean, it's only because I keep seeing Amazing Spider-Man 2 on, like, Sky Cinema Stan Lee. Also, props on wheeling that one out quick and fast, Sky. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, also, we, we should, we'll probably get to review Creed 2 next week. We probably lost some reviewing for that. Uh, we probably won't get to review, but they will, it will be out next week. The Old Man and the Gun with Robert Redford and White Boy Rick, latest film from Jan Demange. Sure. Um, everyone raved about his last film. I never quite saw the Jan appeal. Jan Demange. I never saw the appeal of that one. I really didn't. But, uh, yeah, so all those to come and more next week off screen. In the meanwhile, this has been a Candy Store production for Movie Marker. Don't forget to check out Me Movies because we put a lot of work into that. I've been Nat Van Connor. I've been Kelly Needham. And we shall return. Just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Offscreen. For more movie news, reviews and more, visit moviemarker.co.uk. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Podcast extras. Oh, fun to be had, Ms. Needham. So, uh, should we belt out some film news and then we'll quickly review uh, Surviving Christmas with the Relatives, which, don't get me wrong, I'd rather not have to do, but anyway. Sure. I know. So, Um, anything in the news that's grabbed you that you want to talk about? uh, One that I'm sort of looking forward to, Jordan Peele. 
mm. um, is going to be involved in the re- reimagining of Candyman. Yes, I've heard this. Doesn't he have a director? I swear I read somewhere that he'd gotten a director for it. And... Yeah, Nia DaCosta. Yeah, not familiar. Is. No idea. Mm. Little Woods? No. Have you heard of Little Woods? No idea. Huh. Um, but it's been dubbed a spiritual sequel, so I don't know. Whatever that means. I I have faith in Jordan Peele, though. I mean, Mm. uh, I I love Get Out. I think Black Klansman, which he produced, is is terrific. It's brilliant. It's good, isn't it? Do you know, that film, I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's okay. And then, you know, the very end? The very end. That hit me right in the feels. The hammer drop. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I've got some news you're going to like. Go on. So Netflix have bought a new property. Oh, I know about this. Yeah, we're going to get the entire universe of Netflix-produced Roald Dahl adaptations. Sweet. Animated, too. Yeah, um, that bit I'm not as excited yeah. about, I'll be honest. But, know. you know, roll doll. It's cool. Although, do you know what I'm happy about? What? For the very first time in human history, we will finally, finally get an adaptation of Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. That's very true. Yeah, which has never been adapted. There's probably a reason for that, to be honest. Yeah, I know, it's because no, <laughs> after the 70s uh, Gene Wilder version, no one seems to be able to get Charlie on top of battery, right? But, that is very true. Yeah, so, oh, Call of Duty, this one's hilarious. Oh, God. Okay, so they're, what, they're trying to make a movie out of Call of Duty. Why? Uh, we don't know which Call of Duty, because Call of Duty now occupies like six different time periods, depending yeah. on which game, and those games do get sequels, but they're sort of made out of order. And, uh, yeah, so anyway, we're getting a movie, and... Uh, uh, yeah, they've hired someone to write the sequel. Already? Well, they've not made the first one yet, so why not get a jump on it seems to be... Uh, <laughs> what the hell? Seems to be the idea. It's very confident, isn't it? It's quite, Because yeah. there's been so many good, uh, you know, game movie adaptations lately. Well, I don't know. We had two pretty decent ones this year. Which? Tomb Raider and Rampage. Okay. Mm, Rampage, I'll give you. Tomb Raider Like, is... it was crap, but it was enjoyable. Yeah, Tomb Raider was better than it had any right to be, though. Oh, Tomb Raider was still crap. Yeah, you say so. Uh, what, I've not seen this. I know you have All the Boys, uh, To All the Boys I've Loved Before, is it? Oh, I like that You film. like that one? We're getting yeah. a sequel, aren't we? They've got a sequel. But, don't know whether, I don't know whether it needed a sequel, though, because I kind of feel like it ended on such a nice... It, to be fair, it ends on hashtag spoiler alert, mm. the typical rom-com ending of and they lived happily ever after. But clearly they won't if there's going to be a sequel. Well, maybe they gender flip it and it's to all the girls I've loved before. Maybe. Mm, could happen. Oh, okay, let me, let me, uh, I'm, I'm just going to get, uh, what do you call it, uh, surviving Christmas with the relatives out the way. This sounds like the kind of film we have every <laughs> single year. I'll tell you what, I'm just going to give you a clip, because it's a trailer clip, and it's going to set the scene for you. Okay. I'm so thrilled to see all the family gathered here celebrating yes. Christmas. Merry Christmas! Oh, this one's really nice. How much is it? £950. Christ, the place is falling down. It's old, Trent. This isn't Beverly Hills. How cold Nyla, my darling. Dan! Miriam's here! What? 
Yeah, it's terrible. What the hell was that? I know, it's, it's really terrible. I'm still none the wiser about what this thing <sighs> okay, is. Okay, so it is about uh, a couple played by Julian Ovenden and uh, Gemma Whelan from Game of Thrones. Ah, She's Yara, I believe, yes. in Game of Thrones. And uh, I don't recognise him, though. Um, they're a couple who have left London to go and raise their kids in the countryside, living in her family's old country house, which she seems to think she's inherited, but she actually hasn't. Over the Christmas period, they welcome their extended family, and half the time they don't even particularly bother introducing who anyone is. But in like uh, nobody cares. Jolly Richardson turns up as her Hollywood star actress sister, and she's married to I think like a plastic surgeon who's played by Michael Landers, which is what? Yeah, I know it's very cruel because it means that we have to be reminded that Michael Landers exists. And should be taken seriously for anything other than that time they sacked him from Lois and Clark because he looked too much like Dean Kane. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's why he didn't continue on, on Lois Is and Clark. That really why? That's really it. At the end of the first season of Lois fair. and Clark, they they decided he looked too much like Dean Kane, sacked him, and replaced him with uh, Justin Whalen from Child's Play Three. Sure. Yeah, so that happened. Anyway. Sucks to be you. <laughs> um, it's a terrible film. I didn't laugh once. It's written and directed by James Dearden. Um, yeah, everything about this is horrible. It is the least funny comedy I've seen in a long time. Well, there was nothing funny in that trailer. No, there really isn't. And, like, James Fox turns up in it and Ronnie Ann Conner and Sally Phillips and... I just Sally didn't, Phillips. I know. I just didn't care. I mean, there's this really great, uh, well, I say really great and stupid attempt to try minor sort of drug addiction storyline okay. out of out of a teenager who likes to smoke weed. Oh, jeez. This is just like posh people. It really is. Films for posh people. It really is. I know. But you know that thing I always have? I have that little sort of bug up my ass about British films and how we seem to be just incapable of making a British film that isn't set on either a council estate or a period-specific manor home. Yes. This film is really one of those cases of be careful what you wish for. Oh, man. Yeah, very much. Um, uh, very phoned-in televisual direction. Nothing about it has any particular sparkle or sheen. There's nothing invented. There's nothing particularly clever or sharp going on there. It doesn't have anything resembling a grand point to make other than families suck and everyone's Christmas is hell. It, yeah. You know? I'll be honest, that trailer clip, it sounded like somebody attempting to do Love Actually. But yeah, 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 it definitely wants to do something. It wants to do the ensemble thing. Yeah. Just take a large cast and just have multiple storylines going on simultaneously. None of those storylines are interesting, though. Literally none. I mean, the best part is, it's one of those films as well that tries to do that love actually thing of taking place over a number of days and then like yeah. signposting on screen which day it is. Mm-hmm. And I think it goes on for like three days. And because it doesn't really know what to do with its third act, it does Christmas Day as the second act. The third act is, oh, Boxing Day, they have a football match. No like, one cares about Boxing Day. Also, no one cares about your bloody football match. Well, that's true. Yeah. Oh, dear. I don't know. So but... it's not the uh, Christmas movie of the year, then? <laughs> God, no. <laughs> I've got to say, Netflix are pumping them out at the minute, aren't they? Oh, well, I mean, this isn't Netflix, thankfully. but well, uh, No, I know, but I mean Christmas movies, if you want one. I've not seen Christmas Chronicles yet. <laughs> Me neither, but I Russell. really want to. Oh, I saw so maybe if you were going to watch this, don't bother. Go on Netflix and what? watch Christmas, Christmas Chronicles, Chronicles instead. Yeah. I mean, it could be crap, but you know that this is crap because we're telling you. Yeah. I mean, you know what? I always watch every Christmas that I look forward to every year. Die Hard? No. I watch Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas in, oh, th- of in 3D. Oh, of course you do. 
Yeah. And, and actually, the yeah. last few years, I've also added Office Christmas Party. and I like that film. Yeah, I do as well. And The Night Before to, to the list. Yes. So. Yeah. That that is a good film. So, uh, let's belt some news out real quick. Uh, let's see, we've got Zoe Deutsch has joined Zombieland 2. Yes, I'm, I'm pleased about that. I wondered why you were asking me about uh, Zoe Deutsch. Yeah, you? that's why. Yeah, so she's joined Zombieland. Don't know what she's doing. Who knows? But... I don't really know anything about it. Do we know anything about the sequel? Apart mm, from it's going to have the original cast really. back in it. Mm, not, not really. Who knows? Uh, let's see, the director of uh, Wrath of Khan apparently didn't like Into Darkness. Okay, well, good for him. Sure. Uh, we're getting a sequel to Into the Spider-Verse, the new animated Spider-Man film that Sony are planning on. Oh, planning that reminds me. Go on. Is that what the thing at the end of Venom was all about? Yes. Because I was sat there confused as hell about that. Because <laughs> it had nothing sequel. to do with the film, did it? Yeah, I was yeah, like, I what? wondered. didn't I even involve Venom. This? Like, it didn't even have their version of Venom in yeah. it. Yeah. You're like, that would have made sense. But, I literally yeah. was like, have I, are we playing trailers? What, mm, what is going that's on? That's basically what it was. Yeah. Um, so, uh, we're going to get a sequel to that. We're also going to get a Spider-Gwen spin-off. Because she's uh, evidently proving quite popular in this film. So I know nothing. She's from a different honest. timeline where Gwen Stacy became Spider-Man instead of Peter Parker. What? Yeah, so... That's actually a thing. Oh, she has a whole comic series, everything. Um, let's see what else we've got. Um, oh, Robin Hood, which we've just talked about a little while ago. Apparently, the biggest box office bomb of uh, biggest blockbuster box office bomb of 2018 was it. Yep. Oh, there's been I worse films out. Don't know why. I mean, I, th- there are worse films. I, do you know what I think it is? I think it's because they've never done a good Robin Hood since Men in Tights. Yeah, actually. Any sort of adaptation, mm. whatever, whether it's a TV, whatever, has always been crap. So people just go, yeah, I'll not bother. <laughs> You're not wrong. You are not wrong. Uh, Ricky Jay died this week, by the way, as well. Uh, magician and actor. I'll be honest with you, I knew him primarily as playing Mr. Gupta in Tomorrow Never Dies. The Bond oh, movie. sure. <laughs> but uh, he was one of those people you, you would recognise um, when you see him. Oh, it's that guy from that thing. But yeah, magician. Love so. Let's and the creator of SpongeBob died. I can't remember his yes, name. Yes, he did. I didn't remember his name. I and he was pretty young. It was something like 57 or, I don't know. Um, so, TJ Miller's been in the news this week for two oh, reasons. no, not him. Yeah, well, two reasons. Go on. Well, one, uh, Ryan Reynolds has revealed he will not be in Deadpool 3. Da, da, da. I know. Uh, in the meanwhile, though... <laughs> A great loss to the franchise. In the meanwhile, and I experienced this firsthand because I got sent the award screener this week for Deadpool 2. Is this the Once Upon a Deadpool? Or no, is it no, the just, just Deadpool 2. Just okay, regular cool. old Deadpool 2. And I don't know if you know this, but on the back or on the inside sleeve of all award screeners, they list the categories that they would like to be considered for. Oh, okay. So, you know, they put, like, best screenplay, and they give you the names of the writers, best director, uh, best supporting actor, and then they give you the list of all the... Uh, you know, supporting actors, and you can pick one. And Very you, handy. Yeah, for best supporting actor, they've included T.J. Miller. What? Yes, Fox would genuinely like to you genuinely like you to consider T.J. Miller a candidate for best supporting actor 2019. He's never been best anything, let yeah. alone best supporting actor. Also, maybe just read the popular culture no, at well, this moment in time. Maybe just read the culture, see what's going on in the world. They live in their own bubble. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, one last thing I want to talk about, mm-hmm. and uh, this is, of course, the most pivotal, important thing to have happened in the last seven days. Sure. And I'm not talking about the sudden rise in popularity of Nick Knowles. 
Oh, God, it's madness. I know, I know. I've, I've never liked Nick Knowles. Me neither. But uh, anyway, no, of course, we all know the most important thing to have happened in the world this last week is the trailer for The Lion King. Stop which is it. the most successful movie trailer ever. Well, yeah. And yeah, what did you think of it? Uh, do you know, I'm, I've got mixed feelings. The trailer itself, I mean, it was basically the animated one. It was, it, it was the exact it, teaser they released for the first one exactly. 20 years ago, yeah. Exactly, but I have mixed feelings about the film coming out. Well, for me, it's just, why are we just doing the same thing again? Because they have to. Because I mean, when they deviate, yeah. people get mad. And well, I'm one of those people, so... Well, look at Maleficent. Know. Well, yeah. I didn't mind Maleficent. Yeah. I'm talking more Beauty and the Beast. Oh, I like Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, but the things that they deviated made me Oh, the things that from furious. the... You mean the things from the Broadway show that they stuck in? Yes. Yeah, okay, because that's basically what that is. Yeah. But. Or it's like, and this is not Disney, I, I accept that, but I must talk about it at least once a month, hmm. the Dirty Dancing remake. <laughs> why would you change the big famous line? I mean, there's a lot that can be said on that thing, but why would you change the iconic lines like I carried a watermelon or nobody puts baby in the corner? Yeah, it's a good point, isn't it? But <sighs> eh. You know what, though? I, I will wrap this up by just saying that uh, I, I've always had issues with uh, the ending of the live-action Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. Specifically, the way they have structured the reality of the situation. Right, the idea that the townspeople just didn't know the castle was there mm-hmm. because it had been wiped from their minds. Yeah. But years have passed, right? Yeah, but in they were re- frozen in time. What? They were frozen in time. What? The village was frozen in time. That's the whole point. Well, no, no, no. Hang on. They've still led lives in that time. Yeah, but like on a time loop, that's why Belle's like, ooh, it's crazy here, and the same things always happen. But, Read a conspiracy theory, Van. Is that what that's meant to be? Yes, because otherwise Mrs. Potts, like, and Mr. Potts... Are, that's what I'm presumed. thinking. Like, it's how like, has he not moved on? Exactly, because they've been in this, like, time loop. Because that would have been more interesting, like, they started a bit at the end where he's like, oh, Mr. Potts! Like, oh, yeah, sorry, listen, i got another wife now. we got, like, kids, mortgage, whole shebang. So, uh, yeah, we, we probably need a sorry chat. Sorry about it. Let's have a, let's have a Coke and a chat, hey? But, uh, yeah, so... Anyway. <laughs> there we go. Anyway. You learn something new every day, then. Exactly. Time loop, huh? Time loop and nobody puts baby in the corner. On which note, here it is. Your moment of cage. Hello, you have reached Peter. I am not in at the moment, but if you leave your name, your number, and a brief message, I'll get back to you just as soon as I can. Thank you. Yeah, well, you can forget about getting back to this girl. You son of a bitch. You don't just walk out on somebody like that, you bastard. Don't you ever call me again, you f**k. F- you. Yeah, well, f**k you too, sister. <laughs> <laughs>